Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. Uh, we are here this week to review the Emilia Romana GP uh, from Imola. I am your host this week, Tom, and I am joined as always by Stu. Hello. And Chris. Hello. How did you find it, gentlemen? A revisit to a track of old olden days. <laughs> um <laughs> the the track was enjoyable to watch, especially in qualifying, I thought. Um mm. the race itself I <laughs> was just frustrated, I think is the word. I, I found it a hard race to enjoy for reasons that I guess we'll get into. Uh, <laughs> I, you know what, I, I'm going to say something, I don't know, it might be controversial to say this, it might not, I don't really know what the vibe is on the internet or like around, but like in my office, the vibe was a little bit sort of, a lot of people weren't particularly enjoying the race for various reasons, but like largely because they just felt like nothing was happening. Um, but I actually really enjoyed this race for lots of reasons because um, I didn't see, I didn't feel like there was nothing happening. I felt like there was, it was a really compelling battle, especially yeah, it, after the first round of pit stops. I was really sort of intrigued by it. But a lot of people were saying, oh, there's nothing happening. It's boring. Because they just I, I, want I think... crash bang wallet, what a picture. But I thought, I found these <laughs> kinds of races really intriguing. So. Uh, I think that I wouldn't say it was boring. I I would be with you on that. I, I also disagree with that sentiment. It was far from boring. What was... It was irritating. It wasn't boring. It was irritating. Yeah. And the reason it yeah. was irritating is because the second, for example... Well, well, we'll probably get into it, but the second certain events begin to unfold, you start thinking to yourself, I can exactly see exactly how this is going to play out for the next 45 laps. And you're like, yep, that's exactly how... It, like, you, you could just see predictable things falling into place from certain events and yeah i think it irritated me that it looked like there was so much about to happen that never did and it was like yep this all, yeah. all played into yeah, it was poised into it the, was really poised for yeah. a long time wasn't it i think that's what it was you can have very unpredictable races where not much actually happens and you can have very predictable races where a lot still happens and this was yeah. the latter for sure yeah yeah i think so should so shall we, we get into it should we get into it yeah yeah let's let's let's, let's go through this bit by bit and dissect this this thing yeah so i guess we'll do like the fight for the win first which as we said was actually quite compelling for a lot of the race um Bottas uh, led away. It was a pretty poor start from Hamilton by his standards, wasn't it? By any standards, really. Yes. Um, yeah. It was kind of the second phase of the start, wasn't it? He sort of... Yeah, like the, that, the initial sort of launch looked good. He, mm. he seemed to, his reaction time looked quicker. And from, you know, from where I was sitting, like I don't know the stats, but it looked like Hamilton had reacted ever so slightly faster, maybe like a half a tenth quicker to me. And. Um, yeah, he, he he got in motion, it seemed, in that initial bite much quicker. But then it was this sort of, as, the, as he started to go up through the gears, he, I guess he just didn't, I don't know, for whatever reason, just didn't have the same level of grip. Yeah. It was like having watched Bottas lose races on a number of occasions this year, my sort of split second off the line reaction was, oh, here we go again. And then suddenly yeah. Hamilton had sort of 
Verstappen one side of him and Gasly the other. And he was like, oh, okay, we might be in for something more interesting here. Um, mm. Verstappen did get by him into second place. Um, Bottas was never really able to build much of a gap at the front that you'd expect sort of whenever there's a, a Verstappen in between the Mercedes, the Mercedes in front tends to be able to pull away, but uh, that wasn't the case. It later transpired that he picked up damage on the second lap to his floor, which was costing him a pretty significant chunk of downforce. Mm. And then as everyone's probably seen after the race, Mercedes pulled a, a pretty significant piece of hassle Ferrari out of the bottom of his car, which... Yeah won't have been doing him any good whatsoever wider than the width of an average human it yeah it like. was enormous <laughs> it was a pretty big piece I it was a piece of barge board wasn't yeah. it from seb's car i think yeah i think it looked like it was from a ferrari they, they in fact they returned it to ferrari that piece yeah yeah um, <laughs> i enjoyed the people online saying no wonder bottas was slow he was running ferrari aero <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally torso sized piece of yeah it was ferrari how a piece that big just like lodges in a car and stays there for an entire yeah. race distance as well. It must have been just like in his diffuser or something. Yeah, I it imagine. must have been right up there. Right there's, up there. there's a um, there's a picture of it wedged in his barge boards in front of the, oh, uh, the left side podge. I'm pretty sure it's the same piece that got taken out anyway, but there is, there's like a side uh, okay. on photo of it uh, in or something in the barge boards on the in front of the left hand side pod so i don't know if it's the same piece that we've also seen the picture of the mercedes mechanic holding but it there was definitely something also wedged in yeah. there mm. either way a piece that big would be like putting a sail up on your car like yeah yeah it's not gonna help you yes yeah, so verstappen was first to pit um Red Bull are always going to be first to pit to try and sort of try something different, try for the undercut. Uh, Mercedes reacted with Bottas, as you'd expect, and he kept him ahead of Verstappen. Hamilton then stayed out for an extra 11 laps. We straight away got radio messages. Well, initially Hamilton seemed to be saying, sort of, leave me alone, I'm going to stick my head down and put in some laps here. And then we heard Mercedes say to him, we're going to extend and asked him if he could do 10 more laps on those tyres. It, it sort of looked like he'd probably just about done enough to... He was going to come out sort of in and around Bottas and Verstappen, wasn't he? Like, whether it would have been ahead, in between, or just behind on fresher tyres, it was hard to tell. But on pace alone, he'd just about done enough by the looks of it. Yes. Yeah. But as it was pretty much as he was pulling into the pit lane, we got the virtual safety car for uh, Ocon's retirement, which just handed them the lead on a silver platter, didn't it? There was absolutely nothing uh, Bottas or Stappen could do about that. And I guess this is the sort of frustration you mentioned, Tom. It's, I guess there's two sides to this. One side is it's another situation where luck just seems to fall Hamilton's way, which happens a lot. And then I guess the other side, especially coming off the back of the last race where Bottas asked for a different strategy and wasn't giving it, is that it felt a lot like strategically everything was being done to favour Hamilton. Mm, now, really, we're in. See, this, this is dangerous territory, and we're not going to get into the wild conspiracy theories. I'm not about to suggest that. You know, the team always does everything to cancel it. Hamilton win over 
uh, anyone else. It's it's the same as everyone who said that when Rosberg won his title, it's because the team wanted Rosberg to win that year. And, you know, there's it's just not the way yeah, things it's work. It's just not how things... Yeah, no, yeah. And Mercedes', Mercedes response to this will be, I'm sure we were doing everything we could to make sure we got Hamilton back ahead of Verstappen. The fact that that also gave him the lead is by the by, and it doesn't matter to us as a team which order the drivers are in. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, there's always going to be an element of that. I just, it, well, also, the, also the they thing, know the thing that... is, it was entirely predictable. This, this, this is exactly one of the, the moments mm. I was talking about before where Chris and I literally had the conversation, the second Bottas pitted and Lewis said, let me try and run this. We both said... They're going to let him do 10, 15 laps here extra and something's going to fall into his favour in terms of it will give Lewis the lead. <laughs> and we said, this is going to happen. Like Whether it's his own pace or whether it's exactly yeah. what happened, which was safety car, virtual safety car. Or we, maybe the, thing the that... second he made the request, me and Chris both turned to each other and said, you can see where this is going. <laughs> could, and could it, it be... that, that, was it, that was the irritation. Of, yeah. Well, could it, it be just that It becomes the... predictable at that point. I'm itching to say this. <laughs> could, could it be that the the thing that fell into Hamilton's favour was on lap two when a piece of Ferrari got lodged into Bottas's car? I mean, that certainly that didn't. And and this is this is the kind of underpinning thing to all this is that regardless of how it played out, Hamilton was probably going to win that race. It's yeah. Under the circumstances, I don't think there's a version of events where Hamilton didn't win that race, short of some world-class defending from Bottas with a car that was like missing chunks of downforce, but mm. it probably wasn't going to happen. I mean, Bottas would ask about this after the race and he said that he totally understands the way the strategy played out and that he, if it was the way around, it would have been exactly the same. And this is where I've been thinking about this ever since the race. And the, the question that I keep coming back to is, had those two cars been the other way around, would Mercedes have done the same for Bottas? Yeah, I, th- I think that's mm. the interesting point in it. And all. again, it sounds like wild internet bash your keyboard conspiracy theory stuff, but I can hear I'm your honest... keys being mashed into your keyboard, Chris, from I'm here. I'm honestly not sure if it would have played out the same way. And that's a dangerous yeah. thing to say on the internet. Oh, mate. But... <laughs> Just, I think something about the way this season's played know. out and the way that in the last race, the second Bottas suggested doing something different, he was just shut down straight away. I don't know. Listen it, to the, Chris. the whole thing just didn't sit very well with me. Listen to Chris. Now he's now he's admitted to the world that Valtteri Bottas is his favourite driver. He's really towing that nev- line, isn't I've he? I've never been shy about not being a Bottas fan. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it feels... I think part of it is that it feels like we're being robbed of good races as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't deny that. I think we were robbed of a race. I think if... Um, if it had not played out the way it had with the safety car, I think it would have been a bit more interesting. Like Hamilton would have had to work much harder in the initial phase of, it probably would have still come out ahead or just about ahead of both the Red Bull and yeah. the Mercedes. Yeah. I think at but, worst he'd have been just behind on much fresher tires, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he would have had to get those tires warmed up. Those, those hard tires weren't, quick weren't that quick to warm up so there was a slow phase which is why he was able to build such a gap actually the the uh overcut 
worked really, really effectively at this track, as it, and it did for a number of drivers, not just for Hamilton. Mm. So it's you got to remember that they went into this race with just one hour and a half of practice. So the teams didn't yeah. have the opportunity to run all the tyre simulations to understand what the tyre was going to do through the race um, proper on Sunday. So they couldn't have known that it was going to take as long as it did for that for that hard tyre to warm up. Um, they couldn't have known in advance reasonably how big the delta was going to be between the two, between the, what was it, the medium and the and the hard in that phase of the race. So it, I don't think you can really say that Mercedes did any of this on purpose. Like, I don't think they tried to sabotage Bottas' no, race or anything like that. I'm definitely not saying that. I think given the fact <clears throat> that he's already carrying issues and he's under real pressure from Verstappen, they ca- they actually made a bit of a you know a bit of a uh, strategic masterstroke masterstroke really because they 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 pitted the car they forced red bull into pitting to to run with bottas so red bull thought oh we can get him on the pit stop here there's no doubt about that they have they are fast on pit stops red bull mm-hmm. so if anything goes even slightly wrong on that mercedes pit stop red bull are going to they're going to be able to get ahead of them or at least get get to Verstappen to within striking distance of that Mercedes. Um, and then they can hedge, at that point, they can afford to split the difference. They can hedge their bets. They can leave the other car out and win the race that way because they know they've got an injured car on track still ahead, struggling, but they've got the other car that's going to be able to be on fresher tyres further down the line and... And win the race. I think I honestly think if that had been the way around, it would have played out exactly the same, regardless of whether it was Hamilton or or um or Valtteri Bottas. Maybe I really don't, right. think, I don't I don't I don't buy this favouring Hamilton thing. I really don't. Like I and I I wanna stress that I'm not like in some wild conspiracy theory, Mercedes just make Hamilton win thing. It just Nah. I Thinking back over the last few years, I struggle to think of a single time where Mercedes strategy has played out in Bottas' favour to this extent. And I could think of several times where it has done for Hamilton. Now, maybe you could argue that's down to Bottas not putting himself in a position where a strategy can play out in his favour. Yeah. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I don't I, know. I like would a, definitely argue that. Like I say, the whole thing just left me feeling a little bit just empty and frustrated yeah. with the whole thing. I, I want better racing at the front. This I don't want to see Hamilton just being gifted another win, and that's what I came away with it feeling yeah. like. Again, well, I do think he would have won the race under pretty much any circumstance, but I at least want to see him having to yeah. earn it and fight for it. Yeah, that's the I absolutely agree it? with that. Yeah. I think and it, that... but this was circumstance. It was a, he would I think Hamilton probably had the pace to win anyway, but at the same time it was the circumstance that cost us the race. And then Verstappen sort of, you know, what happened to him in the end kind of made it all yeah. academic anyway, really. And I think the other thing that we were probably robbed of that we'll probably get to as well is 
Like there was there was potential that yeah, Lewis would have always been able to stretch his legs a little bit, but I think there was potential that Max could have started closing that gap to Lewis until his issue, his incident. And I think that was another moment where I was just sort of head in hands thinking that's just another potential battle that's gone. Like and it felt like every time you got like a little bit of a sniff of oh something could come of this, it just then went and like the situation just flipped on its head. So like yeah. as soon as Max was past Valtteri, you sort of thought, I mean, he's looking quick. He he could try and close that. It was something like 10, 12 seconds at the time. But you could see that you could see the gap coming down a little bit. And whether it was just Lewis had not taken the time to react to it yet because it wasn't needed. And obviously he was biding his time to react nearer the scenario. But then it all just disintegrated, much like his right rear tire. Yeah. <laughs> and I think so, and that's the thing, like, for me, watching this race just felt like disappointment after disappointment, yeah. which yeah. maybe like, is why think, I feel... Things kept happening. I think that's what it is. I think it's that we, we could see the potential, but then the potential was, like, minutes later ripped away from you. And yeah. then it happened again, and it, it felt like it happened four or five times through the race that you could see, oh, there's a potential for this to happen, and then it... Karma was just like, nope, poof, yeah, <laughs> which is like maybe anti-race, wasn't it? The anti-race. Yeah. yeah, and that's maybe why I feel stronger about the whole race at the front situation than I would otherwise. It was just like one more layer of disappointment on top of a race <laughs> yeah. full of disappointment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so as you mentioned, Tom, um, so we had the mistake from Bottas that allowed Verstappen to get by a little later on. Um, I mean, Bottas was really struggling at that point. Uh, Verstappen was all over the back of him but that only lasted for a couple of laps before uh, Verstappen's right rear seemed to go in pretty spectacular fashion Red Bull said they had absolutely no warning of it so good chance it was probably from some debris there was a fair bit of carbon fibre had ended up spread across that track throughout the race so yeah their instant suspicion was a um, an immediate failure wasn't it like an immediate puncture yeah yeah, it's so, probably a piece. On the very first lap, I saw a piece of a racing point just sitting on the side yeah, of the track. Yeah, it was just sat on the side of the track out of turn two, turn three. So, and I, never yeah. saw, I never actually saw that get cleaned up. You'd think they'd show that being cleared up. Yeah, it just it just disappeared. Like, we kept seeing that same shot and it was there and sort of Martin Brundle was going, oh, we might need a safety car here. And then all of a sudden it cut to that camera and it was just gone. So, yeah. <laughs> so whoever picked it up worked quickly. smashed it up or someone picked it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that did give us a Mercedes 1-2, despite everything, uh, to wrap up their seventh consecutive Constructors title, which is something no team has ever achieved before. It's also Mercedes' 100th win in the Turbo Hybrid era. Uh, They equal the number of titles won by Lotus, and they're one behind McLaren and two behind Williams now. Which, Mm. and given the time they've been in the sport, it's... It's kind of unbelievable yeah. what they've achieved. Is like we spoke a couple of weeks ago about uh, Hamilton's win record being something that you would never uh, think you would see beaten, but a team winning seven titles in a row is up there for just yeah, yeah. I, I mean, at this point as well, with the minimal changes going into next year, you wouldn't put it past it being an eighth mm. and then tying up with McLaren at that point. Yeah, it's. The argument is very much there that this current team is the greatest team that's ever been in the sports. The the things they've achieved and the way they've gone about achieving them is 
like no other team has even had a sniff have they really like we had a couple yeah. of years of ferrari be like taking the odd win off them and being there or thereabouts but it's never really looked in doubt that they would be taking home both titles one way or another certainly yeah. in the hybrid era yeah yeah once they once they got the hybrid engine sorted then yeah it was very much um it's just been mercedes all the way hasn't it really uh it's a huge achievement um absolutely amazing to see it in in our lifetimes especially like you just don't expect to see this level of um of achievement in 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 this kind of sport elite sport to to win over and over and over and over again Mm. um yeah i mean some people a little bit older than us are probably a bit uh disappointed to have seen it happen twice in their lifetimes in fact (laughs) you you guys were probably into you guys were into formula one way before so you survived the schumacher years I saw the Ferrari era, I saw the back end of the Williams era, and mm. then I've seen this. Obviously, so, the Red Bull era, like it comes. Yeah, it Red Bull to a degree as well. Yeah, it comes in sort of cycles, doesn't it? I'm, I'm, I think I'm ready for the next cycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've still 2022 brings, I guess. Yeah, but uh, yeah. still though, like it's been fascinating to see. I'm very fortunate that obviously one of my favorite drivers has been part of that team and been able to sort of capitalize on that that level of success um i'm not sure really there's much more i can add to it to be honest there's been again there's been plenty of mercedes related content this last sort of few days yeah the 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 other side to it i think is interesting is obviously there was a lot of celebrations but whenever you saw um toto being interviewed after the race um he was talking a lot about sort of the stresses of the role and the time it takes him away from his family. He mentioned not wanting to stay in the role beyond his uh, shelf life. He's mentioned before the possibility of him moving into some sort of uh, executive director role that's sort of not having to be there every race. He even mentioned to Sky Sports that he's um, already got his successor as team principal in mind, but he wouldn't say who it was, obviously. And then when Lewis Hamilton was kind of asked about Toto, he said that um, his future is not a concern to me and that I don't even know if I'm going to be back here next year. Hmm. I mean, Hmm. I don't believe for a second that Hamilton is ready to just disappear, but it definitely feels like the two of them are talking about it. And the way they were kind of celebrating as well, it kind of felt like coming towards the end of an era kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, maybe yeah i mean it'd be it could probably go for a number eight they could probably go for number eight and really cement this kind of I, I, yeah I, I think if they continue the partnership into next year it's very difficult to look past them very very difficult to look past them it's 2022 that's the unknown for them and i think maybe both toto and lewis are starting to look at this of our day will probably come and that might be it because that's where things change dramatically and someone could be onto something that mm. might not um, there was there was something about watching the two of them in all the post race stuff that kind of reminded me of um michael jordan and phil jackson in the last dance which if you haven't watched that documentary it's uh fascinating about the final season yeah. that um uh, Phil Jackson was the coach at Chicago Bulls and Mark Jordan was playing for them. And it kind of makes you wonder if the two of them are going to be like, 
we do one more season, at that point we will have basically every record going. Uh, yeah. You know, may, maybe they've got what... Maybe there's going to be like their last dance. They'll do one more year next year and yeah. then both just bow That's out it. on top. It, it, is, it is a very, very similar scenario of one more year gets us eight constructors, mm. gets him eight yeah. Drivers World titles. It becomes cemented as one of the greatest runs in the sport's history. Yeah. And then forever it rebuilds. Yeah. And that, yeah. That's a, that is exactly the sort of philosophy that goes through that whole Chicago Bulls thing. Yeah. And it happens in a lot of other sports as, uh, that it's like this era will come to an end. We buy out, we bow out and allow the, the, the team or, or whatever to rebuild. And mm. I mean, it wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Let's put it that way. No. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of next season, like they, they, they were both taking a sabbatical. I'd be sad to see that happen. I think going into a new formula in 2022, I'd, I'd quite like to see them follow it through into the next formula and mm. sort of pass on the baton before, before yeah. the formula, after the formula's changed, you know, like ease them into the new formula of being yeah. nice approach. But yeah, like it's again, you know, it's, it's all speculation. No one really knows what they're going to do. It's, I'm excited to see like where these coming races go and like what happens to Mercedes as a team at that point. Now they've won the championship. Are they going to, you know, are they going to take the foot off the gas a little bit or are they going to be just as dominant and competitive as ever? Like it's hard to tell. Well, I mean, it's, it is entirely plausible that yeah, Lewis seals up the world driver's title next time. Yes, it is very plausible. Yeah. Near guarantee short of a retirement, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's an interesting sort of angle to watch, like the two of their careers, where they're going to go. Um, mm. I mean, we've we've been saying for a while, like we've always believed that Hamilton is going to bow out on top. You can't see him, you know, staying around long enough for someone else to be on top of Mercedes to sort of fall away and him be like fighting in the midfield and stuff. Like you just can't picture that happening, can you? The way sort of Kimi and Seb of uh, their careers have gone or are seeming to go currently yeah mm-hmm. but yeah time will tell i suppose there was plenty more in the race to talk about there was a really interesting race for what became third place um once verstappen disappeared uh ricardo mm-hmm. was in the best place to benefit from that in the early stages but then ricardo leclerc via norris and signs all started on softs and had to pit fairly early and they all end up stuck behind Magnussen for quite some time. Magnussen just like kept on trucking for like, when was his first stop? It was well into the race, wasn't it? I'll tell you. Give me a sec. Pitted uh, not that early. It was like 25-ish, 26 maybe. Okay. But it was still a good 10 or so laps after all of the soft runners did, which kind of uh, held them all up for a while, which uh, I guess that's a part of this track isn't it like even cars on fresh tires that are faster really struggle to overtake a arguably the slowest car on the grid mm. on yeah. old tires but um but there we go uh but yeah so that allowed Perez who started on mediums to stay out way longer and leapfrog everyone um Perez I mean he started well down as well didn't he they had a poor qualifying the racing points uh 11th yeah. Perez started but found himself running fourth up until the 
uh, safety car, which gave... Per- in fact, no, Perez was running third at the point the safety car came out, wasn't he? Because he inherited third place from Verstappen. And then Racing Point opted yeah. to pit him, uh, along with Kvyat and McLarens, while uh, Ricardo and Leclerc stayed out. Yeah. And it only really worked for Kvyat, didn't it? He was able to make uh, places up on Perez, Albon and Leclerc for a really impressive fourth place, actually, we should say, for Kvyat. Yeah. He had a really amazing uh, whole weekend, actually. But it's the first yeah. weekend I've actually noticed Kvyat on track. Yeah. yeah, he's been so anonymous this season, but... It's I true. mean, the Alpha Terriers in general looked really fast all weekend. Yeah, um, it, it was really unfortunate for Gasly that he had to leave, go out as early yeah. as he did for his uh, terminal error, which is hilarious if you use a Mac. <laughs> if you if you imagine where Kvyat finished and think about where Gasly would have potentially finished, been starting from a better position in the first place, the you know there's potential that he'd have been in front of Ricardo and on the podium again. Basically. Yeah, I mean, he qualified fourth, which is yeah, incredible for, yeah. for the car he's in. But yeah, it was a coolant leak that they found on the grid that they thought they'd fixed, but uh, they could see it was still leaking during the race. So they basically retired him before the engine lost so much coolant, it blew itself up, basically, which is understandable. Yeah. Sensible. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, Perez probably, well, racing point, I should say more, probably threw away a podium there, didn't they, by pitting him under the safety Yeah, car. I mean... You can see what they were thinking, but... He's notorious, though, for being able to get a decent amount out of the tyres. Yeah. So I'm surprised that... They've... But then again, I guess when you've seen Max's go off the way it did, you maybe don't want to take the risk. Potentially. So I can see both sides of it. I can see why you'd potentially want to leave him out there and because of what you know he's capable of on all the tyres and making them last. But as well, you don't want to run the risk of like a Silverstone-style scenario where tyres are going off left, right and centre. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, a diff- it's a difficult decision to make, isn't it, on a pit wall? Uh, so I can't blame them for going the way they did with it, but when you see that the likes of Ricardo didn't and when where he ended up, it it shows you that it was entirely plausible to stay out. Yeah, Paris seemed pretty annoyed by the whole thing after the race. Um, he definitely seemed of the opinion that they had thrown away a podium there. Um, but yeah, Ricardo, uh, he was getting pushed quite hard by Kvyat towards the end, actually. It, it looked like Kvyat was on for a podium for those last few laps but Ricardo held on for his second podium in three races which is not something I thought I'd be able to say this season if I'm honest Mm. he doesn't get boring podiums does he he doesn't no (laughs) he's always yeah he has to fight for him every time he was the same with his wins as well for like when he was at Red Bull he never just led a race from the start and won it did he there was always like some kind of weird circumstance or some kind of like dive bombing everyone in the last few laps to win a race he yeah he must have one of the lowest like ratio of laps led for wins of most drivers Mm. i think yeah i bet Mm. i bet that's an interesting one the only race i can think of where he actually led most of it and won was probably the monaco race where he was limping around without um uh, any of his ers system for the entire race 2018 i think yeah 18 that one but yeah, most of the wins he seems to have like took the lead with about three laps to go. 
shall we dive into just the the cavalcade of disappointment because there was lots of it in this race <laughs> yeah let's do it we've covered Go gasly on. already um he was really sad to see gasly drop out because as we said he seemed to be on for a really good result albon he had a really tough friday um through practice and qualifying he had eight lap times deleted across the two sessions which was more than <laughs> any other driver he managed to qualify sixth um lost place to leclerc off the start and he basically spent most of the race sat behind leclerc and not making any progress uh under the safety car the team made a too late a call to bring him in so he missed the chance to change his tires under the safety car so he was basically left out there uh as the first in the firing line for all the people who did pit unsurprisingly he just lost places immediately gasly got him at turn two perez got him at turn five and then he spun it at turn six which drops him all the way back to last where he finished he initially thought someone would hit him from behind but mm. it's pretty clear from the replays that he, he just dropped it didn't he it was ericsson <laughs> <laughs> now it, it was just a mistake wasn't it he, he, he got on the power with the wheels out on the the sort of the far edge of the curb, he'd kind of gone over the curb a little bit, hadn't he? And he was on that delicate surface, let's call yeah. it, that generates some wheel spin. And with one wheel on the track and one wheel out there, getting your foot down too hard, too quick is going to generate that effect, I think. Dare I suggest it's um, the sort of mistake you see from a driver under pressure yeah, overdriving? Yeah, it is. It well, is. yeah, this is, this is a good... Uh lead into what I was going to say. So I think that, I think we witnessed the point of no return, the nail going into the coffin, if you like, mm. there of um, mm. his, his uh, time at Red Bull. I think Sadly it's going to be sort of a, I mean, you just got to put Perez or Hulk in there at this point, haven't you? Surely. Oof. Yeah. Well, I mean, Helmut Marco over the weekend has basically all but confirmed that Kvyat is out at um, Alpha Terry. And that Sunoda is going to be replacing him, assuming he gets the super license points and doesn't get in the car in the young driver test and be terrible, which <laughs> is unlikely. Mm. So uh, Albon might have not so much be looking at a demotion as looking at not having a seat at all next season, the way things are going. I mean, they said he had two races to prove himself or two you know, stamp his authority on that seat two races ago and they've both been pretty poor ones, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, um, they know better inside the team, like what the reasons for that are and like, yeah, you know, the, the late call on the tyres has not helped him at all there. The team are to blame for that. But I just think, yeah, he's, he's not doing enough. He really is. I think it has reached a point now where it, it, I think, and we've been really sympathetic towards this driver for the entire season but now i think we're at a point where he it's almost becoming indefensible i guess like when you're dropping it mm. like that and spinning with all those cars behind you really it's your responsibility to be i mean don't spin the car is is the first thing and no matter how hard it is to drive no matter how pointy it is as a car to set when it's set up for whatever reason but yeah um yeah it it's time to go, I think. I really do. I'm, I'm sad. I hate to say it, but... Yeah, I, I you think... feel you feel bad criticising because we know he's a good driver. Like, you've only yeah. got to look back at his 
racing history to know he is a good driver. But and yes, you can argue that the team have built a car that suits Verstappen up to his detriment, and you can argue that in this particular race, the team did a bad job of calls and put him in a situation that he was always going to struggle in. But then in that situation, he's made a mistake like that. Like if yeah, he'd probably have lost a bunch of places regardless because of the tire disadvantage he was on. But there's a difference between losing a few places through tires and dropping it and ending up last. And yeah. yeah. And finishing there as well. Yeah. But and whatever the reasons for the fact that he's struggling right now, you can't really get away at this point from the fact that he is just struggling too much for that car for where that car should be it's the curse of that second seat once more it, it really got is it got gasly and it's got albon i think i don't think it's the drivers that are the problem though i think it's the car i think it's a mismatch between between drivers and their requirements for a car i think you've got one driver mm. who's got very very who happens to be really good but has very very specific specialist requirements for what he needs that car to do and it means that anyone else who gets in the mm. car can't do anything with it. So, And it's at the detriment to the team as a whole. Just need another Max Verstappen, basically. Basically. If you want two drivers that can drive that car to the same level, they're going to have to clone him. It's like, well, as, as we were saying a week or two ago, this is why I, as, as much as I feel for Albon, I kind of would like to see a known quantity like Perez or Hulkenberg in that seat now, just yeah, yeah, to f- for nothing else to help us figure out what on earth is going on with that second car because it's been yeah. season after season. Whoever's in that seat struggles now. Yeah, um, Ted Kravitz uh, over the weekend said that one thing he's heard is that um, Helmut Marco is currently favouring Hulkenberg because he feels like Hulkenberg mentally will be able to handle being beaten by by Verstappen week in, week out better than most of the drivers. Um, and when that's one of the main considerations in your driver choice, you could argue that something is fundamentally wrong with the way the team is going. Yeah. But what? If your that's... first concern is psychologically how your drivers are going to deal with the fact they're always going to lose, you know, you can read that either as being very, very, very complimentary to Max Verstappen who is undeniably an incredible driver. But you can also read it as no one stands a chance in this seat, so we need to get someone who's not going to completely crack, someone who's only going to like crack a little bit and still be able to bring it home with yeah. fourth. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. We don't know when we're likely to find out who's getting that seat. Uh, I mean, as we said, they gave Albon two races. It's been those two races, so... We'll see. There's, there's been a suggestion all along that Istanbul is going to be the point they make their decision. So we'll see what the next couple of weeks bring. Yeah. Not long to wait for Istanbul, guys. Not long at all. Yay. Uh, <laughs> next, uh, George Russell. Oh. Georgie, Georgie Russell. More qualifying heroics. Started 13th. Again, as, as with last race, he actually was holding station he didn't immediately drop back he was actually staying um in those kind of just outside the points positions which is what we've said we really wanted to see and him not just qualifying well and immediately falling backwards he stayed under the safety car which got him up to 10th place but yeah 
just dropped it warm in his tires, didn't he? It was sort of a combination of yeah. lighting up the rears, coming over a crest, bit of steering lock. Uh, by the time it happened, it was already too late for him to do anything about it, really. But it was just so hard to see. Like, he was running 10th at the time. Kimi might have had a shot of getting past him because he was on soft tyres at that point. But Yeah, there was a few he, behind him who were on much fresher tyres. Yeah, then. but given that Albon dropped out, well, dropped to the back not long afterwards as well, like, this was the best chance he's ever had of getting points without a shadow of a doubt. And yeah. and he drops it into the wall. Yeah, no, he's got no one to, he, he knew as well. Yeah. He knew that he had nobody to blame but himself for that, sadly. Yeah. Um it's it was gut wrenching to see, but I mean also at that level it's a mistake that you can't make. You're gonna be punished like that for that kind of mistake. Yeah. Um, I mean working against him was the fact that he had the second oldest set of hard tires on at that point yeah. on the track. <laughs> so he was the yeah. yeah, he he'd had his hard tires on longer than most other drivers. So I think even if he had not gone off, he probably would have dropped out of the points. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Um, he said himself on the radio that he, he was going to struggle against the cars behind on on new tyres. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you don't want to see it. He was obviously very, very disappointed in himself. Um, it won't have been easy to keep those tyres in, in the operating window because the tread would have been rather worn on them, I think, at that point in the race. Yeah, I mean, you've only got to look at the way Albon struggled on the restart with people on fresh tyres behind him to see how things could well have gone at had he been present at the restart, but yeah, um, I think definitely the two, the two uh, Alpha Romeos would have absolutely gotten past Russell on the restart. Yeah, at least one of them, and then Vettel was next in the queue, wasn't he? And yeah, there's a probably a good chance he would have. But yeah, rough spent, to see. Spent a lot of time around each other, those two cars actually. Yeah, they have recently Vettel's actually. This season, re- last few weeks, yeah. Um. It was nice to see uh, on some form of social media, George Russell posted something along the lines of, I've got no excuse for that, like devastated for the team and whatever. And a number of drivers, um, Hamilton and Grosjean included, I think a few others all replied to him to say things along the lines of, you know, head up, it'll come eventually. We've all made these mistakes before. Um, One of them said something like, You've you've done it. You've made a mistake. Learn from it. You'll never make the same mistake again. Sort of thing. So it was sort of nice to see some of the older heads on the grid kind of putting a virtual arm around him. Yeah, I had, I had to have a personal little chuckle at Crojean uh, saying, "Hey, mate, we've all done it." <laughs> so I was yeah. like, "Well, if anyone knows, so yeah, it, was. <laughs> it was just like." There was, I think there was a bit of tongue-in-cheek from Roman anyway about that. Like, yeah. he, he was obviously trying to lighten the mood a little bit for him, but <laughs> it was it was so, like, good of, like, the main, I think the main three that I saw the comments of was Lewis, Roman, and David Coulthard as well. I saw a reply. So, like, I, I saw a few, but <laughs> that one definitely stood out to me, his Roman's <laughs> comment. Although, I mean, tweet of the weekend, surely, the Marcus Ericsson one. Yeah, he just retweeted um, <laughs> the tweet about Russell going out with a gif of uh, "Oops, I did it again." <laughs> yeah. Oh, I God. mean, that's what savage. A, 
what banter what and banter then, Marcus Ericsson has. and then another one of um, him searching how to activate your location on Twitter to prove that he wasn't actually there <laughs> taking him out <laughs> <laughs> the final driver in our train of disappointment is Sebastian Vettel who we already mentioned uh, qualified down in 14th but he put in an amazing 39 lap stint on his starting tyres putting himself in a really great position for points he was running fourth after the safety car but then he had a 13 second pit stop which Ferrari have said was caused by a stripped wheel nut which dropped him all the way down to 14th he eventually finished 12th rough calculate on rough calculation if he'd had a normal pit stop he'd probably have come out somewhere around Carlos Sainz who finished seventh so there was probably a good chance for some points for Vettel there but once again it all fell apart from him which was a shame to see mm. Mm. I'd like to see that wheel nut yeah <laughs> it's I mean I don't think that was the only problem because from the looks of that pit stop there was problems left rear left and rear right and front. front right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there wasn't just a stripped wheel nut causing an issue there that pit stop was chaos it almost seemed like things went wrong on one corner and that kind of like spooked the other corner and then I forgot what they were supposed to be <laughs> yeah. doing like, yeah. <laughs> oh no it's all gone wrong <laughs> oh we're doing a pit stop what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh I'm supposed to be a wheel nut <laughs> What? <laughs> now I'm just a pipe. <laughs> um, and I think that's the bulk of the talking points from from the rap. I'm sorry, it's been such a, a downbeat one. There's just been a lot. Of... This is a bit downbeat, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Well, we started off with the. Well, actually, no, we started off with me complaining about Bottas again. But in among all of it, is the. Mercedes have achieved something amazing. So let's focus on that, yeah, I guess. Which not is all rad, the sad like, things. Yeah. 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 That is true. Let's let's perk things up a bit and pick a driver <laughs> of the day. Oh, this is an interesting one, I think, because I mean Kimmy won it officially. Just yeah. putting that out there. The top Kimi three was like Raikkonen, Verstappen, and Hamilton, I believe. It it depends on with how things end, because like I mean, for me, Kvyat had a good drive, had a stiff at a podium, uh, which I wouldn't expect to have been saying, if I'm honest. And I think that's why he stands out for me, because he's gained a number of positions and he's, he's fought for what he's got. Um, and it was a solid drive. And it was a bit of a better performance than what we've seen of him of late. Like like Stu said earlier, we actually noticed he was in the race for once. This yeah. Week. So I think there's got to be something said for Kvyat's performance. Whether it's a total driver of the day one, I'm not sure. But I think it's at least worth a, worth an honourable mention in this bit of the show. Yeah. Um, I mean, mm. to, to, in, in a vain attempt to try and bat away some of the hate I'm probably going to get for this episode, had it not been for the virtual safety car and Hamilton had won that race by putting in that string of fast laps and either coming out ahead or coming out behind the top two and fighting his way into the lead, probably would have had Hamilton in the mix for my driver of the day. But yeah, under the circumstances, it's hard to consider a driver who's kind of been gifted the lead, isn't it? Whoa, 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 whoa. Well, no, he was. You can't deny that. However, the, the, he's, still the way... work, he's still done the work. He's still finished the race. Yeah, but as I say, had he come out in that fight and had to... It, it, the way he got the fact that he got the lead wasn't ultimately down to his performance. It was down to the timing of a virtual safety car. 
And that's why I can't. Oh, I don't think it's. No, I, it, I would say it's a bit from column A and a little bit from column B. I think he, he wouldn't have got out, himself into that. He got himself into that situation. Um, he he came out of situation. the pits 10 seconds ahead. I'm going to defuse this entire argument by just go, moving completely somewhere else and say Antonio Giovinazzi, back what? of the grid, finished 10th. And it, it was Ooh, a solid who? first lap who? to make. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what? I hadn't even considered him. I was looking at Kvyat as well, but yeah, last to tenth is last last yeah, to tenth. And I mean, and positions. I mean that starting lap. He's he's got this ongoing record of he will always earn positions on the first lap, which I mean is not that difficult when you always start at the back, but <laughs> but <laughs> he's making them stick and he's keeping those positions and obviously he's got himself all the way up into the points. And I mean, yeah, some of that's fortuitous with you know the amount of people that have gone out of the race, but you've got to be in it to win it. Yeah, he kept it there. He did... He started in the softs, then went to the mediums, did 53 laps on the mediums. I mean, that's pretty solid. Yeah. Do you know what? That's, that's a convincing argument. I can go with that. Okay. I just wanted to diffuse that before I got any more aggressive than I was about to. <laughs> I have... I, I have a f- I have one. I think Verstappen could be an actual genuine contender for driver of the day because he, he went out of the race through no fault of his own. Yeah. He'd done everything right up to that point. He'd managed to stick with, albeit a uh, injured Mercedes, for the whole of the race. In fact, he overtook that, eventually overtook the Mercedes. If it had not been for Hamilton's sort of superior strategy, I guess, then Max Verstappen might have been on for might have been on for a win it would not be yeah. for that Hamilton thing so uh, he's up there for me I think Verstappen's up there as driver of the day for it me was as well definitely another case of Verstappen doing more with that car than it probably yeah. should be able to do and I don't feel like we've given Verstappen any this season actually we've spent a lot of time whinging and 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 sort of <laughs> talking Verstappen down and and being negative about him but we've not actually Giving him much positive. I don't know. So. I think I, I think we're negative about Red Bull more than Verstappen. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. It was negative about so, him last race, but for very, very different reasons. So, what are the options? What are the options for driver of the day? Then we've got Verstappen. I'd say Giovinazzi and Verstappen. And what's your? Unless Chris support? has got another one. Yeah, they're they're the two. I think. I, I was originally saying Kvyat, but. Hmm. Oh. I saw, a, I saw a good point about Max earlier, actually, through the internets. Max has earned a world first of a triple header of DNFs in Italy. Oh, no. He's the, yeah. only, per- he's the only person to have retired from all three races. Oh, no. Well, three, yeah, Italy. three Italian races in a season. It's the first time we've ever yeah, had in, three in a Italian races yeah. in one season, to be fair. And he's so. DNF from all of them. <laughs> that's a record that's never going to be broken, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, no yeah. chance. So, there you go. Just an interesting wow. fact. That's grim. Yeah. yeah. One one was just a general mechanical retirement, wasn't it, in Monza? Then there was... Yeah, yeah Magello. Was I can't remember. Magello, he was in the... Yeah, he was in the gravel. And then this time, tire blew up on him, so... Yeah. Not a happy hunting ground, Italy, no. for uh, Max no. Verstappen. Um, I'm, I think I, I want to give it to Verstappen. Chris, you've got deciding vote because my, my argument was Giovinazzi. So. I want to go Gio. You, you, it was a very convincing oh. argument. Yeah. Giovinazzi. What about move of the day? Oh. I mean, what candidates do we have? There's some good ones, I think, that we've yeah, seen. Yeah, you've got Leclerc around the outside of 
for Magnussen. You've got Ricardo around the outside of Magnussen, which I thought was the better move of those two. Yeah. Um, uh, you got Verstappen on Bottas was a decent move, even though it was an injured car, so maybe not. And we've already given him a chance at driver of the day. It was an injured uh, car, but he was also like Verstappen's exit from the last corner was actually kind of compromised by Bottas being yeah. so slow. So the fact that he still got past him was actually pretty impressive, I thought. Yeah. He found something, didn't he? He found some power from that Honda engine at some point. He really sent it into that. He, he way overdid it into that corner. He was so, yeah. so deep. He had to recover it. Have you seen the replay? He's like so yeah. far off the racing line. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, it, the, the radio message accompanying it is quite good, though, with the send it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He fully sent that one. I think, you know what? That is my move of the day because he did, that was a proper, that was full send. So I'm going to give Verstappen another chance at getting <laughs> something of the day. I very much liked um, after the safety car restart when Kvyat went around the outside of Leclerc at uh, Piratella, which is yes the corner after the hairpin. That was a really tasty one. Yeah, another yeah, one. Was yeah, good. yeah. Um, also good. They're all good candidates. I, I think I'm going to go with the Verstappen one, A, because of the comical radio, and B, because it'll make Stu a little bit happier. <laughs> Verstappen and see, wins something this you week. know, for that point in the race, that could... Uh, in another dimension, that would have been for the win. So, <laughs> in another dimension, in, in a land far, where, far away, yeah, in, a, in a land where Lewis Hamilton doesn't exist, then it's uh, a. <laughs> yeah. I mean race. that that was the that was the move that gave me the most hope as well because I, after he after he'd cleared Bottas, I was like looking, I was basically watching that gap for all of two or three laps before he DNF. Yeah, um, and it was it was one hundred percent coming down and. Like I said before, I, I know it might have come to nothing because Lewis would have eventually reacted. Yeah, but I think it, was it was the move that gave me the hope. <laughs> it was the move that gave me the hope. So yeah. I'm more than happy to give it a that. glimmer. I mean, a glimmer of Dan- hope. Danny Rick had a decent one as well from memory. Um, oh, it's one of the that was around the outside gonna, of um, that I'm was around the outside was Magnuson, of Magnuson. Magnuson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a very, so, that was a good move. That was into the first chicane, I believe. I think so. Yeah, yeah, or the second. One of those two. I always—it's going to sound harsh, but I always struggle to consider someone overtaking a Haas for move of the day, unless it's like <laughs> the other Haas or an Alpha or a Williams. Yeah, yeah, or a Williams, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I don't think it was truly a candidate. It was just one that popped into my mind. It did look I'm, good. I'm, it I'm happy looked, to. It looked good. Yeah, aesthetically, yeah. it was pleasing. Because that kind of unlocks the midfield as well. Like he was the head of that train that pitted yeah. early and got stuck behind him, and then as soon as Ricardo got by, like everyone else sort of started to filter back through. Yeah, he sort of got out of shape, didn't he? And took him off the racing line, and everyone yeah. sort of just just mugged him. But he he, he had a real staunch defence against ah um, oh, Leclerc got by him, and then after it, I think it was Al- Albon trying it was to get Albon, past. I think, yeah, yeah, and he chopped him off. He chopped off the front of him, and, and yeah. Didn't allow it. So that was into just before the final two corners. <laughs> Didn't allow it. No, I will not Denied. allow this. I will not allow this. This this will not do. Uh, and final award. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, I've got I've got two candidates. One I think is obvious because we've already talked about it. The second is a simul- simultaneously calamitous event. So Go one on. is obviously George Russell, as much as it pains me to have to say it. Aww. It's, I mean, we gave it Grosjean for doing something similar once mm-hmm. upon a time. Second one is Lance Stroll just completely wiping out his front jackman. 
I think Lance Stroll's yeah. entire weekend was a bit as per, as per last week. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the thing, isn't it? Like the hitting his front jack man, who we should say is absolutely fine, thankfully. Yeah, um, that kind of just was uh, the cherry on top of a terrible cake of a weekend for him, wasn't it? It was like terrible cake. He was <laughs> he qualified poorly. He got in incidents. He, uh, I. I He's had two really bad races for him in a row. And I've seen like mm-hmm. people in the team, I can't remember exactly who it was, sort of saying they don't think he's still quite like, you know There yet. Quite there yet. After missing a race, basically, yeah. Or that he's like lacking in confidence and stuff, which you could say begs the question, did they bring him back after his illness too soon for the last race? But um mm. Yeah, it was it was a really poor weekend for him all around. Um, mm. And yeah, then hitting your front jack man is yeah not great, is it? Yeah. On a, on a, a, a more serious WTF was the fact that they allowed the lapped cars to pass the safety car and unlap themselves when there were still marshals on the track, and there are some oh, quite scary onboards from um. I think Vettel was the first to go past and he was obviously straight on the radio saying this isn't good. Um, there was about three or four cars who all passed the safety car and then they were going sort of downhill towards uh, Akuminarale and found Marshall stood right on the edge of the track, which was... Jesus. You never Did want to see that. <clears throat> yeah, that's that. not good at all. Mm. Oof, um, might... Shall we keep it lighthearted I mean... though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. To say, yeah. that's the serious one, but... I think I'm leaning towards Stroll, to be honest. <laughs> Just because you don't want to give it George. <laughs> I'm leaning That's... towards Stroll as well. Like he's... <laughs> also because I don't want to give it to George, but just it's just repeated um, calamity, isn't it? It's over and over again not being good enough. That's the... That's the problem. And especially when he's got that drive for next season and the, the other driver of that car is clearly so much better at the moment. Yeah, there is that. Yeah, well, I, I can go with giving it to Stroll, but we will fully acknowledge that we're not giving it to Russell despite giving it to people for exactly the same thing in the past <laughs> because we yeah, like okay. George Russell a lot and we are being horribly well, fanboyish in our, this. But... It's our podcast. We can do what we <laughs> want. Alonso it's says it's one this for the ours. future. It belongs to us. <laughs> Alonso says he's good enough, so that's what matters. Oh no, Alonso cursed him, hasn't he? Not only that, um, George Russell, I'm sure, I hope, will have plenty of opportunity in the future to get that award from us. Just, um, in, yeah. time, just in time for Halloween, Alonso's put a curse on him. He's put the Alonso <laughs> curse on him. Oh God, yeah, don't say that. Goodness. So I guess to finish up, like what? Let's let's sort of do some takeaways from this race and our thoughts on Imola in general. Um, yeah. So like we asked how how much the short weekend would affect things last week. Yeah. I don't, know, do I, I don't think it made a massive difference either way, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I think that you could definitely tell that they were they had less information to go on in terms of tyres and stuff, but. I feel like it wasn't, as with the other um, accidental two-day weekend we've had, it wasn't the just complete disaster all of the teams said it would be. <laughs> like, no, all well, the teams, yeah, whenever yeah, you yeah. suggest cutting practice, say, oh, no, it'll be terrible, it'll be, everything will be on fire and the world will be awful and like, it's not. If they all got on with it and it was fine. Um, yeah. 
I will admit I missed having F1 to watch on Friday. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed my day off on Friday. I'll bet you did. <laughs> I did very little. <laughs> Title permutations, obviously, Mercedes wrapped it up. So that was a around for last week. Hmm. Lewis did everything he needs to do. And the fight for third, the fight for third in constructors, that got remained very, very interesting. I it's say. actually There's got still... even closer. Yeah. I didn't think it was possible, but it's actually got even closer, which is insane. There's like, I think two points, there's one point in between them and two of them are on the same points. Is yeah, that right? Renault, Renault 135, McLaren 134, Racing Point 134. Wow. And Just... to be generous, Ferrari 103 are not actually out of that fight yet either. Yeah, they're not. They're really not. They're still somehow in that fight Leclerc's come back to life just in time for them to mm. sort of potentially get them Ferrari could finish third Although, imagine that at the end of this season then again on current form Alpha Terry are like dragging their ends that fight as well they're on 89 yeah, yeah. And they, if they keep up the pace they've had they could feasibly catch Ferrari by the end of the season yeah yep. I think a lot a big part of it is coming to these to bring it back to Imola a big part of it is coming back to these te- these these races these tracks that we haven't been to for a long time or and there's a lot less sort of current knowledge about them and that's yeah. sort of mixing in the midfield for sure that is mixing things up because there's just no consistency is there across the teams no one can seem to get a real grasp on that on that third position I, I mean yeah. it's kind of highlighting your pure drivers like Ricardo's done well um, Perez has done well like these people that are good within that midfield Gasly as well as another one when when he's not getting everything he's actually been alright hmm. like it, it just I think it shows a little bit more the, the drivers that are able to cope without the car being 100% underneath them and the drivers that Necessarily can't. I mean, even Kimmy's had good races at them, showing he's he's still got it. Um, so I think there's something to be said for visiting the tracks that we don't visit at all or as often, and slightly more traditional tracks like this as well. I guess. I think this race kind of backs up what you've been saying all along, Stu. Is that in that fight, it's going to be the drivers that make the difference. Like McLaren mm. had a pretty poor race by their standards. Uh, they finished seventh and eighth, but. They're also the only team in that fight where both their drivers scored points. So even though they only finished yeah. seventh and eighth, they actually still outscored racing points and they only dropped five points to Renault. So yeah, yeah, Very and true. It, you know, I keep saying it. They're the only team that have got two excellent drivers mm. in their team. The other two yeah. have one excellent driver and maybe one good driver and maybe one not so good driver. <laughs> so inconsistent yeah. at best. Yeah. So I think it yeah. does. It, it just shows you what value you know people say oh whatever driver's in the fastest car wins and i guess that's true up to a point if you're driving a mercedes but you know this is showing that you do need to be an excellent driver in order to be able to compete in formula one and you and it yeah. shows that you need to get the absolute best driver you can for yeah, your you car the cars don't drive themselves like it is it is a competitive sport you do need to be at the absolute top of your game yeah Hundred percent. What about thoughts of like Imola as a track on the whole? Um, Returning there, it's very picturesque. It's beautiful. Oh, it looks, it's probably beautiful, one yeah, of the most beautiful places, especially with the autumn <laughs> autumn trees around, with the leaves sort of browning, I mean, and redding around. It'll look very pretty. 
me and Chris were picking out houses that we're going to buy and live in <laughs> <laughs> during yeah. the race. Like, just looking at the houses and the restaurants and stuff within the circuit, thinking, oh, one of those would be nice. <laughs> yeah. So did you know that this circuit used to be a connecting road between two villages? It used to be two Yeah, there's a road either side, villages. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and they basically linked them up to turn it into a racetrack. Who'd have funk yeah. it turned to such an awesome racetrack? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, think... The drivers loved it. Yeah, that yeah. was a big thing for me, seeing how much the drivers were sort of like hyped to be there, more or less. Like... And that's happened at every one of these unexpected races this year, isn't it? Which, yeah. I mean, we won't get into it right now, but we've had a version of next year's calendar come out, and it looks like... I mean, I know they can't make too many changes this soon anyway, but it kind of feels like they've learned absolutely zero of the lessons we hope they would learn from this year, yeah. but... Time yeah. will tell, I guess. They can't make too many changes too soon. Um, yeah. In terms of as a race, though, I think for me, these returning slash new tracks we've had this year, there's the, this was a nice novelty, but let's not bother coming back here anytime soon category, which I think I would put this and Magello in. And then there's the, this place is amazing. Can we come here every year category, which I would put Portimao and... Yeah preemptively Istanbul parking. <laughs> I'm going to say that already because... <laughs> you don't do that. That means we're going to have an absolutely abysmal <laughs> race there now in, do you know in, what? in two weeks' time. We, we've we been talking about having a race at Istanbul Park before there was even a rumour it would happen. We've been doing it all year and I'm so scared we've built it up and it's going to be just awful. <laughs> do, um, do any of us, do, do the three of us actually all simultaneously have a game that's got that circuit on it? Probably. I might have an old F1. Actually, no, because it's not been on the F1 calendar for a good few years, has because it? Because we should definitely play. an F1 game with it on, though. It'd be a very old one, though. We should play it tonight after this. <laughs> I mean, that's... We should have a go. That you, you, You're putting some really big hope in the fact that we've all, A, got a game that's got it, and B, Project be able to install it. it. No. No. Ah. Yeah. You'd be, okay. you'd be looking at one of the PC sims, I'm afraid to tell you. Damn it. Alas. So I can play it. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think going back to yeah. Imola, nice novelty, but I think you need to change the cars before you have a regular race there. Make the track wider. Make, make the track wider with about 10 feet all around. <laughs> that will <laughs> probably generate some good I'd, I'd, I'd sooner have the cars made smaller by about half a meter before you start messing with the yeah. track width. But yeah. <laughs> maybe a bit of both. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd happily go back to places that we've visited so far. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, maybe not maybe not all of them in a season, but like having like the say one or two like invitational races or whatever you'd want to call them, yeah. like like not set races that we don't find out until the start of the season, and the the full calendars announced or whatever. Then yeah. it'd be it'd be nice to revisit some of these tracks because they have like presented some interesting races at least yeah as yeah. much as wild I'm not... card wild card so yeah, yeah that's they it really need to it's... do that like as much as i'm not desperate to go back to imola every year i'd also take imola over quite a lot of the tracks currently on the calendar yeah that yeah. i think that's the thing to consider it, i guess it keeps it interesting that. for like long time long time fans doesn't it yeah sorry tom i completely 
steamrolled you then carry on no it's fine you pretty much made the point i was gonna make oh. <laughs> so that's fine that works out yeah. <laughs> great minds. Um, should, I, sorry, should, I, should i move us into predictions and just cover what went on there this yes. weekend yeah okay so um in terms of the top it was actually there was a lot of people scored three points i'm going to very very quickly rattle off the eight names who scored three points because you all came joint top so you deserve it um, Alexander Malinut, Alexia Jarvis, Rob Mills, Tom Murray, Mark Alvarez, Callum Sharp, David Sinnott, and Mike Baker. You all scored three points with varying combinations. Um, so well done to all of you. In terms of the three of us, uh, Chris and I both scored two points for exactly the same things as well. A Lewis win and a Sergio Perez sixth. Stu, you got the single point for the Lewis win. Um, yeah. So in terms of the standings, what that does is it sees Nathan Bailey at the top on 25 points, uh, Chris Manwaring on 23 points in second, and then a bunch of people tied for third, Jake Fitzbright, Whit Happens, and Richard Garvey all tied for third place. Oh, in fact, no, sorry. They're all tied with Chris Manwaring for second place. I apologise. So it's... <laughs> It's ridiculously yeah, close. It's, really it's even close. closer than our first thought. We, we they all to have twenty-three this point points. <laughs> no, this is this is the way it works. This is the way it works. There's too way it works. many people on like all the same points. It's That's ridiculous. what we want. We want it to be close. <laughs> it's got to be close. <laughs> I mean, there's one person winning. That's what's important. It's so ridiculous. You don't want a <laughs> predictions league Hamilton who just pulls away in the lead. Shooters doesn't like it because interestingly this week oh, I move go. above him into thirty-eight place with nineteen yeah, by half a point by half a point. <laughs> All oh. matters at the end of the day. Stu's in 46. Yeah. I'm literally on one of two 5. people. I'm one of two people mm. with 18.5 points. Lee yeah. McEwen is the other person. And then Chris is doing all right. Still, he's in 85th, which I believe is an improvement. Progressing. Uh, I'm creeping yeah. on up. <laughs> yeah, creeper's going to yeah. creep. Yeah, you, you're Alpha Tauri in this, this thing. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I really am. So, uh, but yeah, it's all, it's all still very much to play for with what we've got left on the board. Very interesting. Wow. Yeah, I need to um, start taking this more seriously. Really. <laughs> I mean, you you've sacrificed your your points where you were like, "I'm going to do this because I can risk it." They're gone now. Yeah, oh, you've had yeah, your risky weeks. So I mean, I, I, I sacrificed those two weeks ago. I was taking it serious exactly. from last week. So yeah, yeah, I'm in a bit of a pickle here. Yeah. Um, in terms of getting involved in that, if anyone wants to, it just head to backofthegrid.com where you can register if you've not already and submit your predictions in the lead-up to a race weekend. Uh, there's always a point worth joining because if you get five out of five on a race weekend, there is a prize for that. So it's not just about the top of the board, but there is a prize for whoever wins out of all you listeners at the end of the season. Yeah, and predictions will open for the next race after the next episode of the podcast. Indeed, they so will. So make sure you tune in for that. Yes. Yes, I just quickly mention a couple of newsy bits over the last couple of weeks that we haven't mentioned because uh, we've not had time for them. Basically, uh, after all of the Perez Williams speculation, Williams have finally sort of reconfirmed their drivers for next year, um, ending any speculation that Russell or even Latifi would have to uh, make way. That is going to be their driver lineup next year, which is good to hear. Uh, we also got confirmation uh, last race that uh, both Grosjean and Magnussen are going to be leaving Haas at the end of the year. Um, no news on who the drivers are going to be or when we're going to find out just yet. But current favourites are um, Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin. Um, yeah, 
Schumacher is a good, very, very, take it from me, Schumacher is a very good bet. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of been a case of where he will be rather than if he's on the grid, hasn't yeah. he, all season. Um, and the fact that he's looking very good to win the F2 title just sort of cements that. So yeah. Mazepin getting a seat is a whole other discussion. Um, but I will say if, if after all this talk of the Ferrari juniors this year, only one of them actually gets a seat in F1, I think that will be a crying shame. Um, especially when I think Callum Eilert has already said that he basically won't afford to be able to do another season of F2. Um, because yeah. F2 is ludicrously expensive to do. Um, yeah, you need some yeah. pretty, either a rich dad or some pretty wild sponsors. Yeah, I mean, because Red, Red Bull tend not to actually pay for drivers in Formula 2. All the Red Bull juniors in F2 generally have sponsor money coming from elsewhere because Red Bull would rather send them off to something like Super Formula where you get a lot more for a lot less money. Um, yeah. Yeah, but Red Bull have the capability to do that. With yeah. Don't they? I, I think... mean, well, Ferrari do, to be fair, but whether they would or not is another matter in time. Yeah, I think it opens up a whole conversation about how much the super license system is weighted towards doing F3 and F2. Um, but that's maybe a discussion for another day. Yeah. But yeah, as things currently stand, not looking good for uh, Eilat or Schwartzman. Uh, I think Schwartzman's probably, there's a good chance of him doing another season of F2, Eilat less so. But again, we maybe in the, in the next couple of races, we'll get a confirmation from Haas of who their drivers are going to be. Hopefully so. Which leads us on to. Is, uh, keep me saying now. Stay, stay Hey, man. <laughs> hey. Um, Bono actually had a, a weekend of um, some interesting radio messages again this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, do you know what? I, I really hope we could find a way to use the calm down, man. <laughs> calm down. Yeah, calm down. Delta, 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 Delta. Yeah. Calm yeah. down, man. <laughs> Sounds like a like an eighties electro track. It does, yeah. We need we need, a, we need a, another Bono remix. Yeah. <laughs> so if anyone's into eighties electronic music and you've got some sort of equipment for making that kind of music, and you can mix in some Bono music, please do and send it to us, and we'll play it for you. <laughs> um, shall I take the first question? Yeah, go for it. Go. Uh, Marcus Ingram says, "Which team will end up third this year?" I think Renault. Although I want McLaren to do it. Oh. That was like, <laughs> that, was, that was literally like, you know, on Saturday morning TV, <laughs> like, they send a, a letter into like Ant and Deck. <laughs> you did go very like kids TV then. Yeah, yeah it was, I, I think it was more the way sure you delivered it. it. Yeah, it was definitely, definitely more the way you delivered it. Delivery. Delivery. it was, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a lovely letter here from Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, I'm done. I am done. Oh god. I could I could envision you leaning into the microphone to say that. <laughs> uh so which team will end up for this year? Well the jury's out on that one, isn't it? We've just yeah. we've sort of covered that a little bit, but yeah, I mean that's it's so close. It could be any one of five teams at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's. I think it's still. It's. It's kind of feeling like McLaren versus Perez versus Ricardo at this point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, th- um, I think the thing that could be key for McLaren is like we've already discussed the fact that 
they've got two drivers in there. But I mean, I still kind of stand by what I've said for a long time, which is I think Renault have got it in them to do it. Yeah. Um, especially if if Ocon can start finishing consistently in the points alongside what Danny Rick's doing, then they don't look beatable by the other midfield teams realistically for me. Like, yeah, they'll lose points here and there, but I think generally speaking, Renault will probably come out on top. Yeah, I think McLaren got a little bit lucky this last race, but in reality, they are probably the fifth fastest car right now. That can change, though. That could all change. It can change. It's changing week on week, hasn't it, this season? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't... I wouldn't want to hazard a guess. I, I agree with Marcus, though, in wanting McLaren to do it. I think given that it is about the for me it's about the drivers and the consistency and they have all the equipment to do it they just need to make that car that little bit faster and if they can do that then they will they're the team that are most likely to do it i would say if they can just find that bit of extra speed for daniel ricardo's sake i hope it's mclaren (laughs) yeah yeah um, I mean, I, I wonder just just to very quickly, sorry, finish on that point okay. would be, I wonder if there's an element of McLaren starting to focus on what they need to do with an engine change coming, and yeah. maybe less updates are coming here because they're just starting to focus on an engine change for next season because that's still going ahead next year, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I think they they definitely have more they need to split their resources around than yeah. other teams. And that, yeah, that's very true. I think recent results maybe show that that yeah, they're a little bit split a bit as a result. Mm. Mm. Just yeah, a, a food for thought kind of thing with them. Yeah. Yeah. Next one. Next, uh, Katie says, which driver out of the current twenties most under pressure to perform in the last four races? Albon. Albon. <laughs> yeah, it's Albon unless a decision is made for him before we get to the next four races, which I think there's a chance that will happen. Um, yeah, but if hmm. that's the case, then... I can't really think of anyone else under pressure, actually. I think of the drivers that don't have seats for next year, I think Kvyat's, um fate is probably already sealed. And I think there's much more or less Perez can do. Mm. I would say Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a... <laughs> Oh, wait, out of the current 20. Uh, probably, I mean, it's got to be Albon. It's just Albon, really. isn't he? Uh... It's just Albon. That's the, the easy answer is Albon. No one, I be... don't think anyone else is really under any pressure now. They're, they're all no. more or less tied up or they know what's happening. So, yeah, it's got to be Albon. Yeah. yeah, and to be fair, even if Red Bull do make the decision on him before then, he's then got four races to prove to someone else that he's yeah. worthy of putting in a cup of their seat. So, yeah. Mm. It'd be a real shame to see him binned off after just two seasons. I think he's he's a much better driver than what he's getting credit for. Yeah, the team. especially when he's in a team that has the ability to just demote you down to the sister team. And if he doesn't even get that and he's just completely booted out, I think that would be mm. very harsh. It's almost a poison yeah. chalice, that, um, that yep. second seat. Very much so. Yeah, next one. Uh, Charlotte Taylor says, strange that Toto and Lewis both haven't signed contracts yet. If they come knocking at Racing Point and want to join the team, does Lawrence Stroll uh, drop his son to put Lewis in that second Racing Point seat? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, Vettel and Hamilton in the same team. What? I mean, what a team. <laughs> With Toto in charge as well. Yeah, yeah, that'd be rad. Oh, if only. 
if that happens, I'm, I think my head will explode. I mean, there has been... So there was... A number of months ago, there was a whole thing about... You see that Lawrence Stroll buying shares in Mercedes and Mercedes buying shares in Aston Martin, something like that, which in kind Lawrence of got people... <laughs> in Lawrence Stroll, yeah. Which got people's kind of uh, minds going. And then in recent weeks, it's been announced that Mercedes and Aston Martin are going to be... The Mercedes Aston Martin, the car manufacturers, are going to be sort of working close together. And I think basically all Aston Martins going forward are going to have Mercedes engines and they're going to be kind of working closely on sort of uh, the technology behind them and kind of bespoke engines and stuff like that, I believe. So again, that got a lot of people talking as to whether the two Formula One teams are going to be moving close together as well and whether that could potentially be a future destination for for Toto Wolf. Uh, there's no denying that the two companies are a lot closer together these days, but mm. there's currently no real suggestion that that's going to spill over into the Formula One teams yeah. currently. It's an interesting concept. It's almost like when you finish a game completely and then you think, oh, you know what? I'll have another go at that. I'll start again. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good enough putting it. <laughs> Wesley Paul says, with Mercedes stopping development on this car, do you think that opens the door for any team with the budget, i.e. Red Bull, to get a jump on them next season? Um, If anything, I think it's probably the opposite. Mercedes have been able to stop developing this year so early. They've been able to dedicate even more time to next year and the year after, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think if anybody thinks Mercedes are going to be sort of have their eye off the ball next season because they're looking at the year after, I think uh, you're going to be uh, in for a shock. Mercedes aren't going to stand still yeah. on next year. Yeah, I um, can't. I can't add any more to that. <laughs> no, I think, that's exactly. I think, it. Yeah, you hit the nail yeah. on the head. Uh, and then final question this week from Tally K. Uh, she says, slightly unrelated to this race, but do you think harsher penalties need to be brought in for pit lane unsafe releases in qualifying? Brundle and everyone just had the it happens attitude, but at some point there could be a bad accident and waiting for that to happen before making the change worries me. Could it be stopped by giving grid penalties? Initially, I felt similarly about Stroll's mechanic, but I recognize that's a little more tricky to place blame. But will harsher penalties for safety breaches make teams take more care? Hmm. it's an interesting point isn't it you get penalized a lot more for pit lane shenanigans during a race than you do during uh practice or qualifying well i think there's there's a big difference between a live pit lane during a race and a live pit lane during any other session of the entire weekend is but they're all there is a big difference, but they're also not a safe place to be. Well, they're like never they, safe places. No. Yeah. Like, it always kind of surprises me that during practice, you see, like, the crew wearing shorts and T-shirts. Yeah. And then during the yeah. race, they have to put on, like, specific overalls. Like, that's always seemed a little odd to me. Like, yeah, it's still the same cars going in the pit lane and the same things being done to them. Um, obviously, there's not as many cars doing flat-out pit stops, but... Well, and then you're much more unlikely to have two cars racing in the pit lane as well. You'd think so, but it's amazing how often you see it happen. (laughs) Well, yeah, it's true. Um, Um, I don't know the answer to that. Um, There's always, I think it can be difficult, if I am going to hazard an answer to it, it's difficult sometimes to foresee issues until they've actually happened. 
So yeah, you know, they're not clairvoyant. They can't they they can't know that oh, certain things you can know. Certain things are common sense, and certain things you can plan for. But then there's other times where there's freak accidents where things happen to cars, um, and and people get injured, and there's just no way to really prepare for that. Yeah. So. Uh, and then you can only act then you can review it and implement sort of safety measures to hopefully prevent it happening again but sometimes even then it can happen again it's just i think pit lanes are to a degree they are just dangerous places and it's down to each individual in that scenario to take as much care as humanly possible to make sure they stay as safe as possible Yeah. yeah um I do think this season, it feels like this season, the kind of the timing that you come out of your box in qualifying and the order in the chain you're in in qualifying seems to have taken on a bit more importance this year than in recent years. We seem to have seen a lot more of, maybe it's just down to the tracks that F1 has been to this year, but there seems to be a lot more kind of everyone keeping an eye on the other garages and like releasing it exactly the right time or leaving it to the last second so you're not ahead of the train and things like that. And that inherently is going to present more chances for dangerous things to crop up in the pit lane. Yeah. yeah. But again, whether that's just an evolution of the way teams are doing things or it's just down to the tracks we go to, I guess. I guess next year will tell us that, won't it? Yeah, I, I think it's a weird one, isn't it? Like the, the the pit lane is probably inherently more dangerous during a live race or a live quality session than it is in practice. But maybe leveling the the penalties, regardless of that, would make teams a little bit more careful in the scenarios that are deemed a little bit less critical, like the practices and stuff like that. Yeah. I guess. Plus, I guess if you're leaving your pit box during a race, you are concentrating on getting back onto the track as quickly as possible. Whereas in qualifying, if you have to get on the brakes to avoid someone who's been let out a bit close in front of you, unless you're cutting it ridiculously fine, it's not really going to ruin anything for you. Um, yeah. And if you are cutting that fine, then you've sort of only got yourself to blame, really, haven't you? I guess the other the other factor in the penalty is the impact on the other driver or the yeah. other team in those scenarios, isn't it? Yeah. In a race, it's it, a, the race can be considered a combative situation that can lead to yeah. much more mm. dangerous things happening in the pit lane, whereas a practice session, those combats don't usually occur because there's nothing to fight over, in theory. Yeah. Unless it's Max Verstappen and he wants to go into the corner before you. But that's a, <laughs> fight over every piece of track <laughs> yeah, at all times. Yeah, literally. I wonder if he's like that when he's going shopping, like if he's just like shoving his trolley in front of people, like going around corners all the time. I mean, Probably, you, yeah. you do see people like that in the supermarket, especially in this day and age. So oh, I mean, you see I mean, people like that on the public roads in London most of the time. So I'd, I'd feel safer in a pit lane than in some supermarkets these days. <laughs> I feel safer in a pit lane than crossing my own street. Road. <laughs> right, I think that wraps us up, doesn't it? That was the last inbox yeah. for this week. Um, uh, for those of you who are very regular and followers on social media, you will have noticed that we've been doing a giveaway for um, a copy of Formula One, The Complete History, uh, which is a book that we did a little bit of a promo interview for um, a couple of weeks ago now, wasn't it? So that's still available. Uh, it w- always will be available. So if you want to go check it out, please do so. Um, Chris, I think you've compiled everyone into a, just a big 
random I generated have, list to draw somebody out as a winner, I believe. I have indeed, and I will pick a winner of the book right now. <gasps> Do that. The winner is... Drum roll. Uh, the winner is Claire, who goes by at x2mum on Twitter. Um, so congratulations to you. We will get in touch with you to find out how we can get your book your way. Ba-da-ba-ba. Congratulations. <laughs> is there anything else? How, anti- was how anticlimactic that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we need like a soundbite, don't we? Yeah, like, we'll put in like an actual fanfare. Yeah. Actual fanfare. Yeah. But that is it for this week. So thank you very much for joining us as we reviewed uh, the... I, I keep forgetting what to actually refer just, just to it as. Grand Prix. The Imola Grand Prix. Let's just go with that. The not um, San Marino we, Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. The, the once was San Marino Grand Prix. Uh, we'll be back next week, as per usual, uh, to look ahead to... Oh, what we're looking ahead to? Turkey, is it not? Yes, yep. it is. It's Turkey, the race Ooh. we've all been waiting for. And it's going to let us down, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, yeah. So thank you very much for joining us, and uh, have a good one. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. I was about to make a turkey Thanksgiving joke then, but it's actually a week too soon, which I'm really disappointed about. Oh, oh we're not going to get to do Thanksgiving. I got absolutely smashed at Chris's Thanksgiving party um, this time last year. And I was I had to work the next day and I was more ill than I've <laughs> ever been. At, at a job. I won't say where I worked, but I was so ill. <laughs> uh, that's a nice tidbit for the end of the episode. <laughs>